जननी शारदा देवी रामकृष्ण जगद्गु पादपद्मेतोश्रिवा प्रणमा मुहुर्मु वी टेक् रेफ्यूज एट द होली फीट ऑफ होली मदर श्री शारदा देवी एंड ग्रेट मास्टर श्री रामकृष्ण अवर सैल्यूटेशन टू दम ओवर एंड ओवर अगेन तम देशिकेन्द्रम परम पवित्र विश्व पालम मधुरम यतीन्द्रम हिताय नृण नरमूर्तिम विवेक आनंदमहम नमा टू दैट टीचर ऑफ टीचर्स सुप्रीमली प्योर द गॉडियन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड द स्वीट वन द प्रिंस अमंग योगिन्स हू अस्यूम्ड द ह्यूमन फॉर्म फॉर द गुड ऑफ ह्यूमैनिटी टू दैट विवेकानंद I offer my salutations. Namaskri Atirajaya Vivekananda Suraye Satchit Sukhaswarupaya Swamine Tapaharine The king among renouncers known for his self mastery one whose nature is existence knowledge and bliss absolute and he who removes all of our miseries to that sage Vivekananda we offer our salutations om asatoma sadgamaya tamasoma jyotirgamaya mrityorma mrutangamaya om shanti 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 lead us from the unreal to the real lead us from darkness to light lead us from death to immortality om peace 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 be unto us peace be unto all friends we are here today on a very auspicious day today is the 149th birthday of swami vivekananda and today also happens to be the birthday according to lunar calendar so today swami vivekananda is worshiped all over with ceremonies worship reflection on his life reflection on his teachings all this to remind ourselves of the goal of life of the fact that we are all divinities on earth but this divinity is potential in us that was swami vivekananda's one mission in life he said my ideal indeed can be put into a few words and that is to preach unto mankind their inherent divinity and to make it manifest in every moment of their lives so we are all divine there is the one recurring theme that is the main melody in swami vivekananda's teachings you have his teachings letters lectures conversations interviews all this spread over nine volumes of his complete works but if there is one theme that runs as a connecting thread it is this 
we are divine. There is one teaching you find in, in every part of the complete works, in any of Swami Vivekananda's works. So that was his own mission. That was his ideal. So we are here today to contemplate Swami Vivekananda, to think of his teachings, and to especially reflect on Vivekananda, the Redeemer of religion. Swami Vivekananda was born in 1863, and he lived a little less than 40 years. And the four most productive years of his life were spent in this country, 1893 to 1897, where he proclaimed the glory of Vedanta, Hinduism. In 1893, he participated in the Parliament of Religions held in Chicago. 9-11-1893, that was a different 9-11. That is the antidote to the other 9-11. And there, Swami Vivekananda spoke of Hinduism, spoke of Vedanta. And we are here to worship him in a spirit of adoration and reflect on his teachings. When we study Swami Vivekananda's works, we find that there is an unprecedented clarity on religion, which you don't get anywhere else. If you have come to Swami Vivekananda, if you have happened to study Swami Vivekananda's works, you should consider yourself blessed. That's because you ask anyone who has not studied Swami Vivekananda to give him his definition of religion. You will find as many definitions as there are respondents to your question. Religion consists in observing rituals. Religion consists in believing in some dogmas, visiting temples, dipping yourself in sacred rivers, making pilgrimages, devotedly studying a book, a holy book, and so on and so forth. But when you study Swami Vivekananda, you have a very clear idea of what religion is, of what religion is not. You don't get this clarity anywhere else. You can learn this truth for yourself. This is not a dogmatic statement, but everyone has to study Swami Vivekananda and discover this fact for themselves. That he tells us what religion is and what religion is not in such clear terms. Sister Nivedita, Swami Vivekananda's disciple, she has written a beautiful introduction to Swami Vivekananda's complete works. You find this introduction in the very first volume of the complete works. There, she sums up Swami Vivekananda's contribution in a brilliant paragraph. Says Sister Nivedita, Like the Krishna of the Gita, like Buddha, like Shankaracharya, like every great teacher that Indian thought has known, Swami Vivekananda's sentences are laden with quotations from the Vedas and the Upanishads. 
He stands merely as the revealer, the interpreter to India of the treasures that she herself possesses in herself. The truths he preaches would have been as true had he never been born. Nay more, they would have been equally authentic. The difference would have lain in their difficulty of access, in their want of modern clearness and incisiveness of statement, and in the loss of mutual coherence and unity. I'll repeat this. This summarizes Swami Vivekananda's contribution. The truths he preaches would have been as true had he never been born. Nay more, they would have been equally authentic. The difference would have lain in their difficulty of access, in their want of modern clearness and incisiveness of statement, and in their loss of mutual coherence and unity. Had he not lived texts that today will carry the bread of life to thousands might have remained the obscure disputes of scholars. He taught with authority and not as one of the pundits. For he himself had plunged to the depths of the realization which he preached and he came back like Ramanuja only to tell its secrets to the paraya, the outcast and the foreigner. Sister Nivedita speaks of clearness and incisiveness of statement. When you study Swami Vivekananda, you know how abstract metaphysical truths, Advaita, Vishishta Advaita, Dvaita, the essential principles of Vedanta, the essence of the scriptures, minus all grammatic discussions, polemic discussions, the essence of the scriptures which can help us translate them into our lives. All this very clearly spelt out in Swami Vivekananda's works. That's why she says clearness and incisiveness of statement. And these truths were existent. What he preached, he said once, I have preached nothing but the Upanishads. The Upanishads have been existent from time immemorial. But the difference is, you and I can know now what the Upanishads contain thanks to Swami Vivekananda's works. You study the Upanishads yourself with commentaries, with the commentary of Sri Shankaracharya. You get tremendous clarity on certain aspects. But there are certain passages of the Upanishads where these traditional commentaries don't help us much what is the contemporary significance of a particular teaching of the Upanishads? Come to Swami Vivekananda. Study his Jnana Yoga. His lectures on Jnana Yoga are nothing but exposition of on the Upanishads. God in everything, that's one of the lectures. It's an exposition of the Ishavasya Upanishad. Unity in diversity. Exposition of the Kato Upanishad. You can keep quoting like this. So clearness. Sister Nivedita speaks of clearness and incisiveness of statement. Let's hear from Swami Vivekananda himself about this clarity. In his letter written to one of his disciples in Madras, a very dear disciple of his, Alasinga Pirumal, Swami Vivekananda writes, to put the Hindu ideas into English, 
and then make out of dry philosophy an intricate mythology and queer startling psychology a religion which shall be easy simple popular and at the same time meet the requirements of the highest minds is a task only those can understand who have attempted it the dry abstract advaita must become living poetic in everyday life out of hopelessly intricate mythology must come concrete moral forms and out of bewildering yogism must come the most scientific and practical psychology and all this must be put in a form so that a child may grasp it all this must be put in a form so that a child may grasp it that is my life's work the lord only knows how far i shall succeed when we study swami vivekananda's works we know how far he succeeded the clarity even a child can understand religion minus the cobwebs associated with religion the essence of religion that you find in swami vivekananda's complete works so he redeemed religion from obscurity from being the sole possession of some elite few but he made it available to all of us sister nivedita speaks of one more thing had he not lived texts that today will carry the bread of life to thousands might have remained the obscure disputes of scholars that's what was prevalent in india before shri ramakrishna's advent and before swami vivekananda expounded all this scholars were busy disputing whether the upanishads taught monism qualified monism or dualism because they all thought the upanishads and the gita can teach only one philosophy it can be only advaita or it can be only vishishta advaita or it can be only dvaita no one thought about the fact that these scriptures are meant for spiritual seekers of different levels of spiritual evolution and so you have teachings pertaining to all these three schools of philosophy in all the scriptures the gita and the upanishads swami vivekananda was giving a class in madras 1897 on his return from the west he arrived in silon and then came to rameshwaram silon was a part of india then he came to rameshwaram and through different cities in tamil nadu reached madras addresses of welcome were presented to him in all these places and swami vivekananda gave a detailed reply to all these addresses and these detailed replies are available in a book lectures from colombo to almora which is some kind of a treasure house on principles of vedanta on his plan of campaign for india while he was in madras he gave a class to a closed group of people besides the five beautiful lectures that he gave which are part of lectures from colombo to almora so he gave a class he made this point that dualism qualified monism and monism are not mutually contradictory 
is not that only one can be true. All of them are true. Dualism, qualified monism, and monism, they form a graded series. Dvaita and Vishishtadvaita are stepping stones to that Advaitic realization which realizes the unity behind everything. They are not contradictory, but they are complementary. You find this incident mentioned in Swami Vivekananda's biography by his disciple Nivedita, the master, as I saw him. So when he taught thus, one of the members of the audience asked Swamiji, if this were true, that all these form a graded series, why didn't any of the acharyas before say this? Swami Vivekananda said, because I was born for this and it was left for me to do. The audience was startled, but that is the truth. There is no egotistic feeling behind the statement. Because I was born for this, and it was left for me to do. His illustrious great master, Sri Ramakrishna. What he taught, Swami Vivekananda magnified it in English. Sri Ramakrishna spoke in Bengali. And his English vocabulary consisted of half a dozen words. So Swami Vivekananda was his mouthpiece. Sri Ramakrishna also said, there is no need to fight in the name of religion. All this is true. Only we need to be sincere, we need to be earnest and find the truth for ourselves. We are here to reflect on the fact that Swami Vivekananda is a redeemer of religion. Swamiji wanted religion to be placed on a broader foundation. He considered that the highest function of religion is not to offer a reward for faith in dogma or to forgive punishment in return for obedience, but to lead us to that infinite freedom which is God. That's the goal of religion, Swami Vivekananda taught. We say God is great. What is meant by this greatness? This greatness means God cannot be hampered by any kind of limitation. We say God can incarnate only once for all time to come, one God for the entire humanity, one set of rituals for whole humanity, follow it or perish, to be decided by soul. And we say God is great. Great means mahat, greater than greatest. So Swami Vivekananda said, religion has to be placed on a proper foundation. We say there is God of the Hindus, gods of Hindus, God of the Christians, God of Israel, God of this faith, God of that faith. But God is one. God cannot be limited. If we limit God, He ceases to be God. Infinity, when we try to limit it, it doesn't remain infinite anymore. It becomes finite the moment you try to limit infinity. Sri Ramakrishna could not tolerate anyone saying, God can be only this and not anything more. I am the measuring rod to judge what God is. God can incarnate only ten times the Shavatara in Hinduism. Or God can incarnate only once in other religions. How are we with our puny intellect? 
with our petty ego, to set limits to God. Sri Ramakrishna would say, you cannot set limits to the infinite. He was not happy with anyone trying to set limits to God. Swami Vivekananda says, is God's book finished? Or is it till a continuous revelation going on? It's a marvelous book. These spiritual revelations of the world, the Bible, the Vedas, the Quran, and all other sacred books are but so many pages and an infinite number of pages remain yet to be unfolded. I would leave it open for all of them. We stand in the present, but open ourselves to the infinite future. We take in all that has been in the past, enjoy the light of the present, and open every window of the heart for all that will come in the future. Salutation to all the prophets of the past, to all the great ones of the present, and to all that are to come in the future. That's Vedanta. That is Swami Vivekananda. Not limited by one individual. God revealed himself to just one individual. Worship him and be free. Otherwise, perish. Vedanta does not subscribe to this. Swami Vivekananda held forth this message of Vedanta. Of course, lived and taught by his illustrious master. We saw that religion has to be based on broader foundation. What is this broadness? Sometimes we tend to think that religious broadness means taking the common aspects, some fundamental metaphysical principles common to all religions and adhering to them, rejecting those elements that are points of discord. That means rituals are meaningless, beliefs are meaningless, books are meaningless. In the name of uh, interreligious amity, we try to divest religion of rituals, mythological beliefs, and many age-old practices which seem superstitious to us. Swami Vivekananda has words of caution against this brand of broadness. Swamiji, any attempt to bring all humanity to one method of thinking in spiritual things has been a failure and always will be a failure. You cannot make all conform to the same ideas. This is a fact and I thank God that it is so. I am not against any sect. I am glad that sects exist and I only wish that they may go on multiplying more and more. If we all thought alike, we would be like Egyptian mummies in a museum looking vacantly at one another's faces, no more than that. When religions are dead, there will be no more sects and it will be the perfect peace and harmony of the grave. But so long as mankind thinks, there will be sects. Variation is a sign of life and it must be there. My idea, therefore, is that all these religions are different forces in the economy of God, working for the good of mankind, and that not one can become dead, not one can be killed. And he also made another important point 
in the Chicago Parliament of Religions in 1893 that we don't need religious converts. You don't need to convert anyone to your brand of religion. Of course, the very basis for this conversion by some religions is my God alone is true, God is incarnated only once, this is the scripture, these are the set of rituals, follow it and be blessed. And as many people as possible I convert to this particular faith, I am assured of my own salvation. But Swami Vivekananda made an important point. In the address he gave at the final session of the Parliament of Religions, the seed is put in the ground and earth and air and water are placed around it. Does the seed become the earth or the air or the water? No. It becomes a plant. It develops after the law of its own growth, assimilates the air, the earth and the water, converts them into plant substance and grows into a plant. Similar is the case with religion. The Christian is not to become a Hindu or a Buddhist, nor a Hindu or a Buddhist to become a Christian, but each must assimilate the spirit of the others and yet preserve his individuality and grow according to his own law of growth. That's what is important. We all grow in our own way. We have our own, our own cultural background, our own samskaras, each having our own mode of worship. But appreciate others. Sri Ramakrishna said, he asked his disciple, M, the author of the gospel, do you believe in God with form or without form? M said, I would like to believe in God without form. Sri Ramakrishna said, right, hold fast to that conviction, but don't for a moment think that your faith alone is true, that those who worship God with form are committing a mistake. Don't have that narrowness. God has provided for so many pathways to suit different temperaments. Why so many gods and goddesses in Hinduism? That is one of the criticisms hurled at Hinduism by other faiths. That's because Hinduism itself is a parliament of religions. Not one god is thrust. It's not a straitjacket for everyone. But I have a temperament of worshipping Vishnu. I worship Vishnu. Another person has a temperament of worshipping Devi, the Divine Mother. Someone else, Shiva. So all those different radii lead to the same center. So Swami Vivekananda says, we don't need to change. The Christian is not to become a Hindu or a Buddhist, nor a Hindu or a Buddhist to become Christian. But each must assimilate the spirit of the others and yet preserve his individuality and grow according to his own law of growth. Grow according to his own law of growth. That is the main thing. As long as we dabble with the cursory aspects of religion, differences must remain, fights must remain, quarrels must remain, animality in me must remain. Swami Vivekananda says, religion is not all this. Religion is realization. He strongly believed that religion must not be discussed, but lived. When we live religion, we see common aspects of religion. We don't have time to quarrel. We try to cultivate love for God. And the more we grow in devotion to God, the more we are able to appreciate others. We are able to see common aspects in other religions. And that conduces to peace and harmony. 
So religion, Swami Vivekananda taught, is a realization. Most of the time, religious enthusiasm is often directed toward theological discussions and mechanical rituals. But we need to understand that religion means a tangible experience of the spirit. Every one of us can aspire to realize that we are the spirit because we are the spirit. We are not aware of it. There is no bar. There is no distinction. So we need to think about this possibility. This is made possible because of the advent of Sri Ramakrishna and Swami Vivekananda. God realization is a possibility in this life. Otherwise, usually people think you live a moral life and wait for your fate to be decided in the afterlife. But Vedanta says, you can be perfect, pure, here and now. You can live as the spirit in the body, but not be the body, here and now. You can be a partaker of that infinite bliss now. That's why Swami Vivekananda says, religion has to be lived every day. Our old self, with all its desires, prejudices, samskaras, intact, must die, says Vedanta. And a new self has to be born with a transparent heart, a pure heart, with devotion to God. And this transforming power of religion, purity of heart, removal of doubts, this transforming power of religion becomes manifest in us only when we take religion seriously as a matter of daily practice. Swami Vivekananda says, Show by your lives that religion does not mean words or names or sects, but that it means spiritual realization. Only those can understand who have felt. Only those who have attained to spirituality can communicate it to others, can be great teachers of mankind. They alone are the powers of light. Swami Vivekananda defines religion as the manifestation of the divinity already in us. We are all divine, but we are not conscious of it. And that divinity has to unfold itself, has to manifest itself in our thoughts and actions. And he gives a beautiful definition of religion elsewhere, which every follower of every religion can assimilate to his or her benefit. Religion is the idea which is raising the brute into man and man into God. You don't find these definitions elsewhere. Religion is a subscription to some dogmas, belief in the afterlife, showing devotion to a book, and living a, a moral life here, waiting for the judgment day later. But Swamiji says here, religion is the idea which is raising the brute into man and man into God. Animal nature, human nature, divine nature are inextricably intertwined in our personalities. Religion should help us transcend our animal nature so that we become more and more human. And we transcend that human nature also so that more and more of divinity manifests itself. So animal nature to human nature to divine nature. This transformation is the only touchstone of religion. You be a Hindu, you be a Christian, you be a Muslim, you have any other label. If religion helps you achieve this character transformation, 
you're religious and this transformation we have seen before this transformation is possible only when we take religion seriously and choose to live it every day and this living has to be done by us not by proxy we can visit temples we can go to churches we can make pilgrimages we can devotedly worship a book we can take dips in sacred rivers but all this is true all this is not to be condemned swami vivekananda never condemned all this all this is true but we can do all this and lose sight of religion and not move an inch from where we were that's what happens in most people in most devoted hindu households this is what you see people are good moral devoted to some book devoted to some gods goddesses observe festivals make pilgrimages dip yourself in sacred rivers this for hindus you have such observances in other religions too making pilgrimages all that it's common to all religions set of rituals but is this all is there anything more to religion swami vivekananda taught religion is the manifestation of the divinity already in man and you find just before his lectures on raja yoga his celebrated definition on religion each soul is potentially divine all this is vindication of the fact that swami ji has redeemed religion for us each soul is potentially divine every one of us is divine potentially divine it's said to manifest itself we are not at conscious that we are divine Swami Vivekananda says each soul is potentially divine the goal is to manifest this divinity within by controlling nature external and internal Swami Vivekananda says elsewhere the way is not with nature but against nature we need to struggle against nature especially our inner nature struggle against our prejudices our samskaras our passions our desires not towing their line but standing up against them and asserting our divine self that's why swamiji says here this manifestation is possible by controlling nature external and internal do this either by work or worship or psychic control or philosophy work karma yoga worship bhakti yoga psychic control raja yoga philosophy jnana yoga so bhakti yoga karma yoga raja yoga jnana yoga do this by work or worship or psychic control or philosophy by one or more or all of these and be free you follow one of the yogas more of the yogas or all of them and be free this is the whole of religion say swami vivekananda then what is the place for all the things we saw now going to temples studying books that forms the second part of his definition doctrines or dogmas or rituals or books or temples or forms are but secondary details they are the non essentials of religion non essential does not mean unnecessary but that which does not form the essence of religion doctrines or dogmas rituals or books or temples or forms are but secondary details these secondary details are good have as many of them as you want provided you don't lose track of the primary aim which is the manifestation of divinity 
which we are, manifestation of the divinity that is potential in us. You see the history of religion. See if you get a definition, anything, anything that, that comes closer to this. And this definition is valid for all adherents of all religions. There is nothing Hindu about it. Only what's required is an open mind. An open mind and a desire to strengthen our spiritual practice. Sri Ramakrishna said, you need only two things to progress in spiritual life. Sincerity, that is the first thing. Be sincere in your spiritual practice. Be sincere in your convictions. And the second is, be earnest. Earnestness, that intense desire to know the truth, that intense yearning for God. When we are sincere and when we have this earnestness, there is no time to quarrel with others. Only people who don't have anything to do meaningful in their own life waste their energy and life in such pursuits, trying to establish that their own religion is right, trying to have a straitjacket for everyone. So Swami Vivekananda says, all this is right, go to temples, believe in dogmas, observe rituals, all religions have it. Study a sacred book and forms, worship forms, God with whichever form that you like best. All this is fine. But don't lose track of this primary aim. Animal nature to human nature to divine nature. If my animal nature remains intact, I can perform spiritual practices throughout my life and won't move an inch forward. This clarity, this clearness and incisiveness of statement which Sister Nivedita refers to, that we see from Swami Vivekananda's teachings. And Swami Vivekananda makes this another wonderful point in response to a question in Harvard University after he gave a lecture he said this the question was what is the Vedantic idea of civilization Swami Vivekananda the universe is simply a gymnasium in which the soul is taking exercise and after these exercises we become gods that means we manifest our divinity so the value of everything is to be decided by how far it is a manifestation of God. Civilization is the manifestation of the divinity in man. He continues, the lower the animal, this is elsewhere, not in the same place. The lower the animal, the more is its enjoyment in the senses, the more it lives in the senses. Civilization, true civilization should mean the power of taking the animal man out of his sense life by giving him visions and tastes of planes much higher and not external comforts. So having more and more of external comforts, what we think is civilization. The more of these luxuries, the more of these comforts we have, the more civilized we are. But Swamiji places before us this ideal, nothing short of manifestation of our divinity. That is true test of civilization. And he says civilization is the manifestation of the divinity in man. We can go on and on. Swami Vivekananda is a perennial fountain of inspiration. To live religion, to practice religion, 
Swami Vivekananda considered one thing fundamental. Faith in ourselves. He says you cannot have a true faith in God if you don't have faith in yourselves. Faith in your higher self. Say Swami Vivekananda. All the difference between man and man is owing to the existence or non-existence of faith in himself. Faith in ourselves will do everything. I've experienced it in my own life and I'm still doing so. And as I grow older, that faith is becoming stronger and stronger. He is an atheist who does not believe in himself. The old religion said that he was an atheist who did not believe in God. The new religion says that he is the atheist who does not believe in himself. But it is not selfish faith. But because the Vedanta again is the doctrine of oneness. It means faith in all because you are all. Faith in myself, it's not selfish faith. Swami Vivekananda makes it clear. If I have faith in myself, I should grant that faith in others too. I have faith in my capacity to change. What I do about it by way of undergoing change, that's another question. But I believe someday I'll become better. From tomorrow I'll begin, from day after I'll begin. I'll begin from New Year's Day. So we believe that we can change. I believe that I can change. I should grant this to others too. If I have faith in myself, I should have faith in others too. So it's not selfish faith. And Swami Vivekananda's utterances are great tonic, are great inspiration for us to remind ourselves of our divine nature. Say Swamiji, do you know how much energy how many powers, how many forces are still lurking behind that frame of yours? What scientist has known all that is in man? Millions of years have passed since man first came here. And yet, but one infinitesimal part of his powers has been manifested. And therefore, you must not say that you are weak. How do you know what possibilities lie behind that degradation on the surface? You know but little of that which is within you. For behind you is the ocean of infinite power and blessedness. Swami Vivekananda wants us to take our stand on this. Then on the feeling that we are weak, that we are sinners. In the Parliament of Religions in Chicago, he presented a wonderful paper on Hinduism so comprehensive for every Hindu, for follower of every other faith too. It's a great source book, that paper on Hinduism. There is no aspect of Hinduism that Swami Vivekananda has uncovered there. Quoting the Rishi from the Shweta Shutra Upanishad, quoting that important mantra, Swami Vivekananda said, Hear ye children of immortal bliss, and even those that are in higher spheres. I have found that Purusha, that supreme being, by realizing him alone, we can cross this, we can go beyond this darkness. There is no other way. Shrinvanta Vishve Amritasya Putra Amritasya Putra, children of immortality. And Swami Vivekananda said in that assembly, Parliament of Religions, Allow me to call you brethren by this name, children of immortal bliss. Yes, the Hindu refuses to call you sinners. Sinners, 
It's a standing libel on human nature, said Swamiji. It's a sin to call a man so. It's a standing libel on human nature. So Swami Vivekananda said elsewhere, other teachers may glorify in being preachers of sin, but I would like to glorify myself in being a preacher of light. And he said, weakness is not the cure for weakness. Dirt cannot be washed by dirt. Strength is the medicine for weakness. Repeatedly saying, I am weak, I am a weakling, I am bad, I am a sinner. It doesn't change my position even a little. I continue to be a sinner, I continue to be weak. Sri Ramakrishna said, and after him, Swami Vivekananda, his disciple. He said, think of the glory, think of the glories of your own soul, the powers that are hidden, hidden in you. He says in one place in his complete works, what makes you weep, my friend? In you is all power. Summon up your all-powerful nature. O mighty one, and this whole universe will lie at your feet. It is the self alone that predominates and not matter. And he says elsewhere, Follies there are, weaknesses there must be. But remember your real nature always. That is the only way to cure the weakness. That is the only way to cure the follies. So we need to remember this teaching of Swami Vivekananda. We need to remind ourselves again and again of our true nature. We are so much identified with the mind, so much identified with the body. We get swept off by any and every thought arising in the mind. We are confused this moment, a little calm the next moment, agitated the next moment. Most of the time the mind makes us miserable. So we need to take this teaching of Swami Vivekananda to heart. He looked upon everyone as that light, as that Atman. And he saw greatness in people. And he roused that greatness in every possible occasion. He spoke of this divinity and that is the main, that is the main note in his teachings. We saw that before. To preach unto mankind their divinity, their inherent divinity, and how to make it manifest in every moment of their lives. And Swami Vivekananda, we saw, lived barely forty years. He didn't live to see forty. But then he's not dead because Swami Vivekananda was not that body. We see his form, we worship his form. But he says very clearly, I am a voice without a form. And he has made this promise. It may be that I shall find it good to get outside of my body, to cast it off like a disused garment. But I shall not cease to work. I shall inspire men everywhere until the world shall know that it is one with God. What a great promise. Swamiji left his body in 1902, more than 100 years back. But these utterances are still valid. It may be that I shall find it good to get outside of my body, to cast it off like a disused garment, but I shall not cease to work. I shall inspire men everywhere until the world shall know that it is one with God. Until the last being in this world knows that he is one with God, Swami Vivekananda is ready to inspire us. I shall inspire men everywhere, means women also everywhere, until we know that we are one with God. We can understand the truth of this promise of Swami Vivekananda. 
when we study Swamiji for ourselves. No one can miss that inspirational quality of Swami Vivekananda's teachings. You study Swami Vivekananda. Suddenly something, something wells up in you. Yes, I can do it. All along I've been thinking, I am weak. It's not possible for me. You study Swami Vivekananda. I too can do it. That's because of this inspirational quality. That's because of this promise that Swami Vivekananda made. So we have a huge treasure house waiting to be tapped. All that we can do is to be regular with our spiritual practice and study Swami Vivekananda every day. We study the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna every day. We need to study Swami Vivekananda also every day to inspire ourselves, to keep our mind on a higher plane, to remind ourselves all the time that we are not this body, we are not this mind, but we are that infinite spirit. Studying his teachings and assimilating some of them is all that is required to make our life meaningful and to march toward fulfillment. Thank you.